Welcome to the Lair of Aquatic Transmissions, presented by the Icelandic University of the Art, Design and Architecture Department, in collaboration with 101 Radio. It's a platform for discussion, ponderings and wonderings about the future relating to design, art, science, etc. My name is Garðar Eyjólfsson, and I'm an associate professor at the Icelandic University of the Arts. And I'm Valgerður Birna Jónsdóttir, a product design student first year. This session is called Anthro-Natural Processes. Today we're going to try to attempt to look at some designers that have been maybe looking at the relationships between humans and the environment from a bit different lens. Uh, we have three guests. Can you please introduce yourselves? Yes, my name is Iris Indradóttir and I am a product designer and uh, now uh, I'm doing my master in uh, environment and natural resources. Yeah, my name is Arnhildur and uh, I'm an architect and a speculative designer. I, I run my own office and uh, sub architects which uh, works on the boundaries of uh, like science, design and uh, yeah, trying to cast a light on sustainability and uh, and uh, so yeah, sustainability and climate change. Hi, my name is Alex. And uh, I'm studying at the AMA Design and working like mainly with uh, speculative design right now. And at last, I'm Vala, and Garðar is with me. So, Alex, how does your work fit in this lens? Yeah, I'm trying to express the relationship between the society uh, here in Iceland with the the future, like basically the our connection with the energy. We we know that Iceland have a lot of them, uh, have a relationship right now with aluminium, but what the future of that, what the the other step we're gonna have. So I'm searching around the lithium and we I was really impressed the first time I come in Iceland, just seeing the number of Tesla <laughs> vehicle. I, I didn't see that much Tesla in um, San Francisco. It's like the home of it so and yeah, I'm trying to modify the landscape to represent, to create that, that kind of link. We have this history link with the, the, the fishermen. So we have those boats statue, we have these fishermen sculpture that represent the history. And I want to represent like kind of the future of the island. Okay, um, so your project is storing lithium in volcanic craters. Yeah, basically it's to create this gigantic pool of um, basically uh, energy storage but also kind of express the and making a, a lithium adverse uh, adverse thing in this volcano. Okay, so Arnhildur, your project relates to this. Yeah, absolutely. We are in the same field. <laughs> and uh, if I talk about the lava forming, it's, uh, it, uh, it's connected to humans and uh, anthropogenic things maybe, but uh, my initial idea, I started with the project 2018 and it was uh, then mostly about diverting lava from uh, eruptions. So not doing anything different from what we are doing, building buildings today, but diverting it and shaping it into into buildings that would exist for many, many years. And 
uh, as part of maybe rethinking how we are building our buildings and man-made structures because they are, of course, not really environmentally friendly, the ways we are using today. But I have actually evolved, uh, or, or the project has changed, has changed the last uh, year because of the eruption in Reykjanes, so we've been starting to look at other things also. And then it starts uh, slowly to connect more to technology and uh, maybe energy use and then we are also starting are we affecting uh, the environment too much by with our project so we need to look at all sides of it like uh, maybe subtracting lava and uh, but we want to do that connected to uh, energy um, energy research which is like uh, supercritical fluid and things like that so yeah it is actually evolved from being just protecting infrastructure and making new cities into maybe uh, that we are taking a bigger step into also energy use so yeah it uh, it connects in many ways yeah and your project Iris is uh, the gum project that also relates to time can you tell us a bit about your project <coughs> yes so um, it is interesting because humans have been chewing gum for about 5000 years and uh, so it is kind of maybe natural for us to be chewing without getting any nutrition from it. But today uh, we chew gum for other reasons and um, they can be, you know, very diverse, but uh, we are, you know, doing it at a much larger scale because we are manufacturing it at like a hundred thousand tons a year. And uh, yeah, it's kind of... Uh, connected to time, it is uh, just for five minutes that we chew it and then it has a very long life after and before we chew it. So I think, yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, Arnhildur and Alex, both of your works are in a really big scale. How is it to work in such a big scale? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, my interest lie in space research also, so my time scale is maybe 16 billion years or something in general. And of course, like I'm working with magma and and, uh, and lava, which comes from the mantle and it's like extremely old uh, material. So, yeah, I, I like jumping between scales. I've always been interested in like research that connects uh, large scale and small scale. And we are also like humans on Earth have like yeah, our time scale is so small compared to the to the universe. So, yeah, for me, it's interesting to jump between scales into the materials research, which is like tiny scale, and then into the space and connection, like technology uh, transmission between the small scale and large scale. It's really in- interesting. Of course. And Alex? Yeah, for me, it's a bit overwhelming. Uh, it's always, because I'm always thinking, oh, it's feasible, how oh, we can actually do it. But more and more of seeing everything that is happening, like we, we're thinking about creating a city on Mars, we all that give you like this kind of idea that everything is possible. So everything is feasible at some point. And it's quite interesting uh, to, to, to jump, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, be- from now to the future, because you can, you can be more... Uh, more free to think about what's going to be. It's also interesting to tell stories, uh, or we have to use stories to tell these tales of, of time, because uh, we cannot do the tests maybe at this moment, but we have to tell the stories so we can move towards that maybe, or inspire others also. Yeah, of course. 
Um, all of you have this um, relation to your project that Alex and Arnhildur, you're both um, like disrupting the way of nature in some sort and you're maybe um, talking about how we are doing it with chewing gum. Mm-hmm. Do you think like with your with the volcanic projects, how do you feel about it? Like you mentioned it a bit in the beginning. About the scale you mean human? No, about like uh, disrupting the way of nature. Yeah. I don't look at it that way. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about it because uh, uh, Mother Earth for me is like a, almost like a religious way of thinking about Earth because I mean, six billion years ago, the planet was covered with volcanoes that were spewing uh, like materials that we could not have as a, hu- as a species lived in. So I think uh, in our context now, we need to, if we want to not save the planet because we're not going to save save it it just does what it wants and if it's a mother it's not a nice mother so <laughs> because it shakes us off all the time but we are responsible for our like ecosystems and uh, and how we have, have been treating the earth the last uh, 200 300 years so we need to take and look at that i think so like morally i think uh, we should just take care of ourselves we should like uh, and our and our uh, ecosystem and uh, but in the scale in the big scale the morality is that, I mean, it's, there's no morality. There's like earth is, and nature is just going to continue doing what they want. And uh, yeah, that's the story of, of earth, actually, and nature. So, Alex? Yeah, uh, I totally agree with you. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like we, we don't have control over the planet. This is one thing. Uh, some species go out, some species go in. Uh, sure, we have an influence on it. Like we have a direct... Uh, and back on it, uh, yeah, it's it's difficult to because you're thinking about the human evolution. Like uh, I see it, like we we kind of stop evolving, uh, we, we stop our evolution to change our environment. Basically, we our landscape is uh, change, but we still the same. Uh, for example, we can see a lot of other country. Uh, how they change the city, how they change uh, mountain in the desert, how they, they make their life easier. So basically, we I think we stop adapting and we're making the landscape adapt to us mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah, that's a really good yeah. point. But isn't that also a part of adapting to, and you say that uh, we cannot, uh, like we don't have control over nature, but I feel like that is our biggest, you know, in a feature is that we have so much control over nature and uh, it's really affecting it. It has changed so much in the last years, last hundred years, you know. Yeah, in, in a small scale. But if you think about it, that uh, uh, I mean, I'm not talking against climate change. <laughs> Definitely not. Because, uh, but I'm just thinking about it as in a large scale. Uh, like I said, six billion, six billion years ago, we the planet was covered it was it would have been impossible for our ecosystem to exist mm-hmm. and of course we are responsible of our own species and trying to uh, we, we have to keep the oxygen we have to keep all our uh, all our animals and, and biosystems uh, alive but in the large scale we don't control anything uh, whatever we do uh, earth could turn into a volcanic planet again mm-hmm. and then we're all dead so that's like uh, my point. 
<laughs> but I know what you mean. Yeah. In small scale, of course, we're responsible for everything and we have to be more aware, but we have to also do more than just recycle plastic. We have to, mm-hmm. we have to think in large scale. That's probably what uh, we are trying, but small scale also, like you. So it has to, yeah, mm-hmm. has to be in all scales. I like the discussion. <laughs> Um, I have maybe more of a thought or because uh, I mean it's kind of speaking into certain rhetorics or narratives like this um, or this kind of uh, I guess the maybe conflict that we're finding ourselves as humans is this kind of idea about nature and trying to kind of reconnect with nature finding harmony with nature uh, but at the same time this kind of uh, belief in technology and kind of uh, also mor- morally kind of thinking about moral matters like how we can maybe also adapt to a changed kind of reality and changed environments. So I'm kind of just wondering, what was I wondering? Yeah, I'm wondering like, because you're kind of depicting maybe these kind of speculations, Alex and uh, Arnhildur, uh, how, how, how is the public kind of, how is it dealing with it? How, how, what, what is the reception that you're getting from the uh, public, do you think? I think the scale is often too much <laughs> and also just to think about this in another perspective then because people get uh, uh, helpless they want to do things that they can do so they recycle they do this do those small things that help them and soothe, soothe them in a way but uh, of course our our role as a designer is to think about the whole picture and connect dots and connect technology science we are good at that. That's what we are expert at. That we see connections and uh, and we have to change the systems because they're really broken. Like uh, uh, economical system is is controlling most of what we are doing anyway, and we need to maybe find ways to bypass that. And I also th- also think that the old uh, ways we are going back to in some ways are not scalable. We cannot scale them up. Uh, I mean, turf houses are perfect for for living, but. We are having problems scaling these ideas up, so we have to. I, I think it's always. I think it's difficult for people to imagine new worlds, and I think it's therefore our like uh, responsibility as designers to show them that either through stories or through tales or or casting a light on something that's like a problem broken in the systems. Yeah, for. That's go back to the question about how we think about the larger scale, and I think at one point it's for for people also it seem kind of unrealistic. Uh, that's why I do that project in larger scale, but usually I kind of prefer the, the small scale because it's feasible. It has a direct impact. It's like you do it and you have the uh, the reaction. You do the action, you have the reaction. With the larger, it, it took a lot of time and you need to wait until you have the reaction. And we live in a society where we need that kind of input. Like we, if we give an output, we want an input. And if you need to wait 10 years to get an, uh, an input, it's, you, you kind of wonder if it's worth it. So I think that this, the smaller scale uh, is probably like a solution here. Like just changing small uh, behavior. Like we 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 we're gonna reach eight billion, or we already eight billion human, and we're gonna uh, and the population just rise. So every small action, if you put it in the human scale right now, it's kind of gigantic by itself. Mm-hmm. 
I like the thought of uh, of a turf house skyscraper. <laughs> working on that. Are you working on that? <laughs> uh, okay, but I think maybe also to push the dialogue a bit further is like this uh, this idea about the broken systems, Arnhildur. Uh, and yeah, we can debate if it's broken or not, but at least we are within a certain system that we, you know, we could argue that we are almost forced to take part in, you know, and I'm referring to like capitalism, production systems, etc. Uh, but at the same time, there seems to be like a growing need for alternatives, speculations, uh, give room for, uh, yeah, alternative thoughts, manifestations of otherness, etc. But then it kind of comes down to like, you know, who is paying for that? Where is stuff like that being produced? Where is it being uh, communicated and to whom? And I'm wondering like, you know, yeah, I guess the question is like, is there maybe a, like, a, should we create more room for that, basically? This goes for everyone, the question. Yeah, well, <laughs> if we try to imagine a society without economic growth, I think we we just to get a little bit confused about what is our purpose in life, you know, because it's all about, you know, getting a job and a car and a child and an apartment and... A, and die and die happy <laughs> uh, yeah. or sad. But uh, I think that, yeah, we, I, I really want to change all of that, yeah, stop producing and, and change capitalism and, you know, uh, do something else. But I just think if we're talking about the environment right now, we, uh, we need to change, like, use capitalism and use our current system to solve the current problems. We cannot start by changing a system to solve a great problem because the problem is right now, you know. So I think designers need to start to, you know, adapt also to the system and not protest it, but still, you know, be, I don't know. I think the circular system is, circular financial system, a circular system in general is a way to maybe try to change this a bit. I mean, I'm working a lot now and I'm um, I'm teaming up with a Danish architectural office that cuts down buildings and builds new buildings out of them. That's like a circular way of, of uh, building uh, yeah, structures. And I think in general, uh, circular system is definitely the way to go. And I think we should stop producing things that we don't need and stop buying things that we don't need. That's going to affect a lot our... Uh, footprint so yeah um that's all we have today of time uh, it went quickly but thank you for coming thank you thank you and thank you thank for you listening inviting.